The Paul Leslie Hour, helping people tell their stories. And now, your host, Paul Leslie. Hey, it's me. How are you, friend? It's a great honor to have you listening to the Paul Leslie Hour. I am glad you're here. On this episode, I'm going to be playing my interview with Jeff Bridges. This was my first so-called celebrity interview. Jeff Bridges is a very talented fellow, an actor, singer, songwriter, guitarist, photographer, sculptor, producer. On top of all that, a very sweet guy. You're going to hear in this interview I sounded so much younger. Well, it was a long time ago. There's maybe a bit of innocence in a way. Maybe naivete is a better word. The original recording was, well, it was not fabulous in the audio quality, but thanks to the efforts and talent of Kevin Hooper, a great friend of this show and of me, it's been digitally remastered. It now sounds great. I hope you all enjoy listening to the Jeff Bridges interview, and if you'd like to help me in my mission, and that is getting more than 16 years of interviews out there and into the world, all the while doing new interviews, you can go to patreon.com slash the Paul Leslie Hour. Let's get into the interview. Very cool. Yeah. How's it going out in California? Going well. Cool. Um, it, before we start the interview, is there anything in particular you want to... I have some questions, of course, but is there anything in particular you want to touch on that I didn't mention? Oh, um... Uh, well, uh, not too much, I don't think, no. Okay. When will this air? Or when will it, uh, uh, probably in about two weeks. Uh-huh. Okay. And, uh, how long is it on there? Uh, it'll probably air four or five times. Oh, great. And, and what's the, uh, how, how do you get to the station? Uh, www.radiomargaritaville.com. Radio. And there's a link to it. Oh, margarita. <laughs> A-R. M-A-R-G-A-R. G-A-R. I-T-A. I-T-A. D-I-L-L-E. That's right. There's also a link to it from the Mailboat Records page. Oh, well, so, so this, but this is uh, radio, uh, margarita.com? That's right, yeah. Dot com. Okay, cool. Yeah. All right. I think I'm, I think we're ready to rip. Cool. All right. Uh, all right. One second. A big time after island time. Aloha to Mr. Jeff Bridges. I'm sitting here with my assistant, Mr. Jeff Jolly Falana Pike. Hey there, Paul and Jeff. Aloha, boy. <laughs> All right. Uh, a lot of the, the listeners are aware of your films, uh, but some might be surprised to find out that you're a songwriter and a musician, and you have a very incomparable album called Be Here Soon. That's right. So uh, how did you get this passion for music? Well, God, I, uh, I can't remember not loving it. Uh, you know, I... I remember my brother back in the, uh, I guess it was the very early 60s, the late 50s, got a, uh, a Dan Electro, a white Dan Electro guitar. And uh, I kind of took it over and started playing on it. 
and uh, you know the great thing about the guitar is you can kind of teach yourself you know the the chords are just pictures of where you put your fingers so i had a ball you know looking up uh, tunes that i liked and trying to play them and that kind of thing and then i started to uh, write uh, music with those with the knowledge of the chords that I learned. I just started to kind of make up songs and stuff, and that really uh, took off. And I I, I uh, started doing that more than playing other people's songs. So, uh, speaking kind of in that same vein, you said you were looking up songs you like. What kind of music uh, did you grow up with, and what do you listen to now? Well, my brother Bo. Uh, He's uh, eight years older than I am, and so, um, you know, he was, uh, when he was a young teenager, uh, he was uh, experiencing really the birth of rock and roll with uh, Little Richard and uh, Chuck Berry and Elvis and all those guys. And so I, uh, you know, of course, looked up to my older brother and I got involved with all that early rock and roll music. And then... Uh, you know, as I became a teenager, uh, started to, you know, it was the English invasion, you know, the British invasion with the Beatles and all the great Brit groups, and uh, and that was a wonderful uh, time to be involved in music. It was just so rich, you know, the you know San Francisco scene, and oh, it was just a wonderful, wonderful time to uh, be a musician and uh, and listen to music. And it was also kind of the birth of. Uh, FM radio during those days, you know, it's kind of a shame now you get on the radio and you got, it's all clear channel and you, you really don't hear the DJ's taste uh, and the music, but in those, back in those days, uh, you had FM and you could get, uh, you know, these wonderful long sessions of DJ's turning you on to all kinds of great music. And I guess nowadays the internet's going to do that for us. Oh man. Uh, so what do you listen to now? Oh, gee, I listen uh, to all kinds of stuff, you know, uh, from, uh, you know, all kind of the old jazz kind of standards. I'm a big Bill Evans fan, but, uh, you know, I love uh, Captain Beefheart. Um, I'm listening to a lot of this fella uh, lately, uh, Hal Gelb. I don't know if you know this guy. Well, I'm not familiar. Yeah, uh, fella. Uh, Mitch Cullen, a friend of mine, turned me on to this guy, Hal Geld, and uh, I like his music a lot. And, uh, yeah, I'm a big fan of Tom Waits. One of my favorite albums last year was an album called Wicked Grin. I don't know if you're hip to that album. But, uh, oh, yeah. Uh, yeah? Jim yeah. Hammond album? Oh, yeah. God, wasn't that cool? Yeah. Would you like that? Is that your style? Well, it was Jeff, uh, my my partner, Jeff Pike. He turned me on to... Uh-huh. He, uh, it's kind Tom of a... Tom Wait, you mean Tom... Yeah, Tom Wait. Yeah. I'm sorry. Yeah, well, and then John Hammond is a you know, great uh, guitar player, and, and this album, uh, Wicked Grin, is an album that Tom produced, and it's all Tom songs, but sung by John Hammond. I thought it was really great. All right. Uh, the title of the album, Be Here Soon, comes from the song Movin', uh, from some of the lyrics, uh-huh. which we played on a past episode. So tell us about Movin' and why you chose Be Here Soon as the title. Well, Be Here Soon is sort of a takeoff on that great uh, Ram Dass book, Be Here Now. Ah. And I don't really claim to be any kind of guru or anything, and I'm not quite as evolved to be here now, but I should be here soon. And, 
of course, it's kind of a, a oxymoronic uh, statement because um, if you're, uh, you know, you're, if you're already here, how can you be here soon? You know, you'll be, you know, by saying you're you're here. I don't know. It's a it's a it's a kind of a tricky screwed up title. <laughs> uh, but uh, moving is a um, kind of a reggae-ish uh, number, and uh, just about how how I move through life, I suppose. Right on. And, uh, and you know, I guess the Be Here Soon title also refers to this fact that I've been involved in, uh, you know, music most of my life. It's taken me a very, very long time to kind of get anything uh, out to the public, uh, you know, concerning my music. And I'm just uh, really happy about the fact that uh, my music has kind of stayed on the back burner and simmered back there and uh, you know while my while I'm doing the acting deal I, I kept my music alive which is uh, I'm really happy about because you know as you get older and you you stop doing the things that you love uh, you you find out that you you know you you don't you don't do it you don't accomplish some of your dreams and, and I've been fortunate to be surrounded by some great friends who also play music and write songs and sing and um, and those kind of those guys have uh, kept me at it and uh, kept me involved. The cool thing about this album is a lot of it is not what I would have. I, I, it's not what I would have expected. Um, say, for instance, picture frame. It kind of has a country feel to it. Oh yeah, right. So, how did you get uh, the inspiration for that? Um, let me see here. Um, I'm, I'm turning to it here. I'm, I've got the album. And I'm looking at the thing. I kind of forget. Oh well, this is a. It's um. Uh, you know, my my taste in music is pretty eclectic, and uh, you know, we tried. Remember, we tried this when we recorded this song. We tried it a bunch of different ways, and this is kind of the version that ended up on the album. But we've done a lot of different versions of it, and uh, it's basically. Uh, I guess it's about um, you know how you view the world and, uh, and how it's kind of up to you how how you how you view it and the world's the kind of world that you see there. It's up to you. What, what are you going to do about it? There was uh, the lyrics on one of the songs just got me kind of puzzled, and that's uh, I, I kind of I tried to piece it together, but that's Buddha and Christ at large. Uh-huh. We got a sexual president. Uh-huh. How did you decide on the title? And tell us a little bit about the song. Well, this was written. Uh, I was making. Uh, I was making a movie. Um, what the hell is the name of the movie? The oh, Arlington Road. And uh, uh, I remember I wrote it all kind of in one night. And, and during this time, it was, well, when Clinton was going through, you know, uh, you know, having that uh, fellatio performed on him in his whole office, you know? Yeah. <laughs> so that's where that first line comes from. But, you know, surprise, surprise, we have a sexual uh, president. You know, I thought, I, I thought it was a great opportunity uh for us to uh, kind of acknowledge our sexuality and and how uh, how powerful that is in all in all of us and, and uh, you know, we bury our sexuality. You don't talk too much about it. We're all kind of embarrassed about it, uh, and, and he certainly was too. And 
but uh, it's a driving force, you know. And then it kind of just takes off from there. I mean, I'm just looking at the lyrics here along with you, but I, I, I guess the thought was, um, you know, if, if Buddha and Christ actually hung out together, and, and you know, what kind of what, what they might think about what's going on, and and uh, what kind of action they might take, and and uh, what other lines are you are mysterious to you? Or, well, I guess I guess a lot of it. Um, there's that part, and then there was the other part about um, uh, the, the black holes, stars, and planets being one single symbol. Sim- yeah, I guess that it has the whole the whole duality thing, you know, of uh, you know separating uh, you know good and bad and. and uh, and uh, righteousness and evil and all these different these apparent opposite things are really just all part of the the whole, you know. And you really can't have one without the other. And there's a relationship that these things have together. And uh, I think uh, the song talks about. Uh, let's look here at the lyrics here. Uh, Look at that part that you say. Oh, Buddha and Christ, they met one day by the riverside and decided to join forces. Let all the bets ride. Put all their jewels in the pot. Let all the lights mingle. All the black holes, stars, and planets be one single symbol. I guess it's kind of like, you know, if Buddha and Christ threw these, you know, these uh, east and west. Uh, notions of spirituality together and uh, just, you know, uh, this all explode of a beautiful spiritual firework, I guess, is the imagery I was going for. Very pensive. Uh, there's a there's a great band uh, on the album, and there's some uh, some background vocals from some interesting people. Uh, how did how did uh, David Crosby end up doing background vocals? Well, all of the uh, the music is really, I mean, <laughs> this album, uh, the birth of it really was started by that earthquake was in L.A. about 11 years ago. And it shook me uh, and my family out of our home in Santa Monica, California. And we uh, landed in uh, Santa Barbara, and uh, I was, uh, you know, for as long as I had a place, I've had some kind of little music set up, you know, recording set up of some sort, and uh, I was looking to turn a garage into a jam space and do some recording, and I uh, called up just some local guy, I didn't know who really was, I don't know where I got a phone number in the phone book or something, but uh, an acoustic Specialist, and it turned out to be this fellow, Chris Polonis, who uh, was is an award-winning acoustic engineer and uh, a great musician and songwriter and singer himself. And um, we talked about the room a little bit, and then he said, "So let's see some of your tunes." And I whipped out my pile of tunes, and we started to sing and play together. And he, you know, liked them and and said, "Hey, you know, I got a buddy." Who might also like these things? You might want to give them to him. And he said, you know, I said, yeah, well, who is it? He said, Michael McDonald. And I said, oh, gosh, I'm a huge fan of Mike's. I'd be thrilled if he listened to the tunes. And so Chris sent him off to Mike, and Mike uh, liked the stuff and came to L.A. not too long after that. And 
we all produced this album together. And uh, Mike sings on it, uh, and Chris sings on it, and Mike plays. We have this wonderful uh, piano on it. And uh, um, another one of our mutual friends, we all know uh, David Crosby, who is a Santa Barbara my guy, he's grown up, grown up in Santa Barbara, and so uh, he came along and, and sang a backup with Mike on some tunes, so that was really a dream come true. You can imagine having Michael McDonald and David Crosby back in the up was really, uh, yeah, really thrilling. And then we had a great uh, rhythm section in uh, Brian Supnick and um, our bass player, uh, Allison, I'm spacing his name. One second, I'm going to get it here. All right, terrible. What happens to the mind? Let me see here. Um, Todd Smith, of course, great. And they, you know, uh, unfortunately, Brian Zupnick is no longer with us, but he was a great, uh, great drummer. And uh, they got a, really a, a cool sound. Speaking of the, the songs with Michael McDonald backing them, on uh, one of the last episodes, we played She Lay Her Whip Down by John Goodwin. Yeah. And it's such a smoking song, and I was checking out his website, and I was telling him actually about this interview. He's real stoked about it. Oh, good. And uh, you covered three of his songs, so I'm... Yeah, well, yeah, well Johnny and I, we go back uh, to the fourth grade together, and he's one of those guys that I was speaking about who's kept my... Uh, music uh, fires burning because uh, he's such a wonderful songwriter, and uh, like you say, I included three of his songs on on this uh, this album. And I just recently got through the Terry Gilliam movie up in Canada called Tideland. Terry Gilliam is the guy who directed The Fisher King and Brazil and a whole bunch of wonderful movies. And uh, I get to play a rocker in that one, and I get to do one of Johnny's tunes in that. I submitted it, and Terry liked it, and uh, so um, that was really exciting. Maybe I can uh, slip slip you an advanced copy of that or something. Cool. Spin it. Yes, please. <laughs> and for all the listeners at home, one of the places that they can get this album, other than Amazon.com, is on Jimmy Buffett's Mailboat Records label, and that's MailboatRecords.com. So could you tell us, why did you, how did you end up thinking this would be a good home for Jeff Bridges? Well, it kind of uh, it happened uh, in kind of a um, mysterious way to me. I didn't have too much to do with it. <laughs> it's funny. Uh, the guy uh, who was originally uh, distributing um, Be Here Soon and uh, uh, you know, we formed a, a record label when we made this uh, album with uh, Chris, uh, Michael McDonald and myself called Ramp Records and Harold Solman at Chicago Records uh, was a distributor for it and then, Chicago, then Jimmy bought up um, Chicago and so you know here I'm back with my old friend uh, Jimmy Buffett you know? <laughs> pretty cool and a lot of the listeners are familiar with a movie you did with him back in 1974, Rancho Deluxe. Yeah, it's a very special movie for me. Uh, uh, not only did I meet Jimmy, but I met my wife, Sue, on that uh, movie. She was working at a dude ranch there. The dude. <laughs> the dude, that's right. And so, you know, how appropriate. Yeah. She's working at my ranch, and I fell in love, and that's all she wrote. 
But uh, I met uh, you know Jimmy O'B, who's a you know he's a good buddy of Tom McGuane's who uh, wrote the script for Rancho Deluxe. And I met Jimmy over at Tom's house and remember you know great evenings sitting around listening to Jimmy play. And, and I don't know if the listeners know this, but uh, Jimmy was also in the movie Sea Biscuit. Did you know that? I did not know that. No. He actually got cut out of the picture. They always cut the good parts, you know. <laughs> but uh, we had a, that was probably the last time that I got to um, hang out with Jimmy was on the set there. And um, we had a lot of fun. I can imagine. Uh, one, of, one of the things I think is really important is uh, everyone needs to know that some of the proceeds from the CD go to the End Hunger Network. I know it's something you feel strongly about. Uh, what compelled you, for, or what I should say inspired you, to, to feel the End Hunger Network was a good Well, uh, the End Hunger Network was something... Uh, that I helped found uh, in '83. It's a nonprofit organization, and we we started out uh, really paying attention to world hunger because here in our own country we pretty much uh, had a lick. You know, there were government programs in place that were keeping it at bay, and and uh, and uh, then over the you know maybe 15 years ago or so. Uh, these safety nets weren't being funded properly, and so now hunger started to kind of resurface. And now we've we've got hunger uh, here again. So we've we've refocused our energies to um, hunger here in America, and particularly uh, children in America, because uh, hunger affects them uh, the most. You know, there's the most damage to them, and so we work uh, to raise awareness and resources. To end childhood hunger, and also we, you know, advocate hunger programs and organizations in Washington as well, and lobby and that kind of thing. Right now, we're putting most of our attention on school feeding programs, uh, breakfast and lunch and summer uh, programs, um, because uh, a lot of people don't know this, but the government has um, funds. Uh, that's that's available to uh, schools to uh, feed kids, you know, breakfasts and, and lunches and all these and summer meals. But the schools need to have these programs in place, and a lot of schools don't know about this, and uh, there's you know they think it's it's uh, too much of a hassle to do it and that kind of thing. But uh, kids need uh, food to concentrate to learn and. Uh, and you know, a kid who's who's hungry all through the day uh, is not going to do well in school, and that uh, you know, that affects all of us too. Absolutely. Yeah, yeah. And, and a lot of a lot of times, you know, um, the kids who go to who eat get fed at school. That's like their only meal for the day. You know. That's true. I mean, the you know, the, according to the um, latest uh, two thousand and three. Uh, report from the Department of Agriculture and the, the Census Bureau there. I'm just reading it off here, uh, some of these statistics. 11.2% of American households experienced food insecurity. And food insecurity is a term that uh, 
they use to describe uh, the widespread hunger, but it's not uh, that we have here in America, but it's not like the hunger that you have in Africa. Here, uh, food insecurity, it it's really has to do with the lack of access to, to food to meet the basic uh, needs, you know, and uh, usually it has to do with um, uh, kids who are living in poverty. And uh, we've got about 34 million Americans who live in poverty. That's 12% of our population. Uh, poverty, according to this uh, census, is uh, defined uh, as the poverty line for a family of four is $18,400. So we've got 34 million people living below that, 12% of us. Uh, just another statistic here. I know I know it's kind of boring to read them, but they're kind of shocking and they, and they deserve to be heard. It says the bottom line is that hunger threatens 36 million Americans, including 13 million children. 18 percent of all American kids under the eight under the age of 18 are at risk of hunger. That's about uh, one in six. Mm. Is there a website where people can find out more? Yeah, yeah there there sure is. It's um, breakfastfirst.org. Excellent. Breakfastfirst.org. And they can also um, check out the uh, End Hunger Network website, and that's endhunger.com. All right. This is kind of a vastly different subject, but Yay. I understand you have a book out called Pictures by oh, Jim Bridges. Right. I'll share a little bit about that. Well, uh, yeah, this is a um, uh, a book that uh, I put out, uh, I guess, last year, and it was a compilation of uh, the photographs that I've taken on movie sets going back to Joe Starman and King Kong around that, you know, around that time, about 30 years ago. And uh, what I um, often do, I've, I've done this maybe, you know, 20, 20 or so times, is I'll, I'll make a, uh, when I'm making a movie, I, I'll take photographs uh, and make a small book as a gift for the cast and crew, give it out. And I use a, a, a quite unusual camera called a Wide Lux. And it's a panning still camera, so the lens actually pans and, and you get a very elongated uh, negative and uh, so last year I put out this uh, uh, gathering of all these different shots that I've taken up over the years in a book called Pictures and um, I'm real happy with it I thought it came out came out great it should be available in, you know bookstores are on Amazon I think you can get it on Amazon and speaking of websites like Amazon, you have a website with lots of personality. It's one of the most interesting websites I've ever been on. So, so tell all the listeners how they can get in on the madness. Well, Jeff, um, what is it? Jeffbridges.com. Is that, is that what, is that That's it. Yep. <laughs> my memory, you know, you forget things. Forget my own phone number sometimes. But, um, yeah, that's, I started the uh, um 
it's funny. I started this website because as we, you know, as we were talking uh, earlier, you know, I, I, I was so excited about the album. I thought, gee, this is going to be a cinch to get on the radio. You know, I got a little bit of fame. I can do all the talk shows and, and punch, you know, uh, publicize the thing and then the radios will play it. Well, I went on the talk shows, did that part, but the radio to break that thing is, you know, very difficult. I mean, to get on the list, you know. So I decided to create a website and, and sell uh, the CD that way. And I started to um, uh, have so much fun with just the idea of communicating to the world that way that uh, I kind of got uh, hooked on it and thought, oh, well, here's another canvas, you know, another way to express myself and have some fun and get some feedback. And uh, so it's kind of blossomed from there, you know. I don't know where it'll go. I mean, eventually, I guess what I'd like to do is kind of what you guys are doing, have my own radio station and my own TV station, you know, and just put up put right on and shoot it out there. Is there anything on the horizons as far as the music? Well, this Friday night, uh, I think this is, we're, we're taping this, so it's going to be past uh, when you when people hear this, but there's um, a wonderful thing that I've never been to, but I'm looking forward to it, called the Lebowski Fest. Oh, yeah, I saw that on the web. <laughs> this is the Lebowski Fest West. This is one in L.A. So um, I'm going to... Uh, get on there and play a few tunes with Chris and some guys we got together and uh, there's going to be another band there, Peter Strohmeyer, the guy who plays uh, the head nihilist, you know, the guy who you know, cut my Johnson off and put the marmots in the tub, but he also happens to be the the guy that they throw in the wood chipper in Fargo. He's got a band called uh, Blonde from Fargo, I think it's called, and uh, he's going to be uh, playing there and talking about his new CD, and uh, it should be, they're going to show the movie. You know, it should be pretty fun. I don't know. We'll, we'll see. Cool. But I'm looking forward to, to playing. Right on. And this show goes out all over the world, so here's a chance to let it all out, sort of like your website. What would you like to say to everyone listening? Oh, gosh. Now, that's a question you'd like to prepare for, Paul. I sent an email. <laughs> yeah, they probably put it in there, too. But see, you know, I, I didn't do my, my homework enough here. God, the whole world's listening. Now, what do I have to say? Oh, my God. Um, well, <clears throat> I guess uh, I'd like to... Uh, Invite everybody to be as kind as possible. How's that? I like that. Kindness. You know, I remember hearing the Dalai Lama speak once, and, and he was saying, uh, you know, all religions are good. You know, Christianity, Judaism, uh, Buddhism, Hinduism. Uh, well, Hinduism, not so good. No, no, just kidding. <laughs> he said, then finally he said, you know, it doesn't really matter what religion or what beliefs you, you have. It's just the important thing is to be kind. I agree. That made a lot of sense to me. Kindness will take us far, I think. That's right. 
Well, Mr. Bridges, it's been a lot of fun. And as we're talking with you, Paul, as Jeff. Yeah, as Frank Zappa would say, it's been so stimulating. Thanks for being our special friend and neighbor on Time After Island Time. Great chatting with you. Yeah. The boop, bop, deep, bop, doodly, keep, bop, doodly, shop, bop, ding, daka. Goodbye.